Let's pray again. Dear Jesus, I thank you that we can come and worship you today and celebrate the resurrection, the resurrection from the dead, and that we can not only celebrate it, but that we will we will be able to partake in the resurrection of the dead. Thanks to your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and worship you on this beautiful Easter morning. We ask that we would be ready and open to hear your word and that your word through your spirit would bring change in our hearts and lives this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. You guys, you guys can have a seat. Everyone can have a seat. And usually, we uh, with the extra prayer this morning, I'm a little thrown off because usually, Elder John prays, then I can set all this up, and you don't have to see me. So just bear with me, but because he prayed, you can't pray too much, so we can't even pray again. <laughs> all right. So in three years that we have had Easter services at Missio Day Church. Uh, this is the first time we've had one inside, and I think it's also probably the nicest Easter outside that there has been since we started uh, meeting as a church, which I find a little ironic, and God has a sense of humor in that way, I think. But if you want to know why it's such a beautiful Easter day, it's because we're meeting inside. That's why it is so awesomely beautiful. Um, <laughs> today, our, uh, our title for today will be Sin and death. So. But it's Easter, which is celebratory, but the title is Sin and Death. And it all makes sense. But I come from a very conservative background, which is probably ironic to most of you that know me because that's not who I am. But at our conservative, well, I think our conservative churches in general, um, they would always have this greeting. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to play along with me because most of you are younger and well, you've been less in conservative. But the greeting on Easter morning that everybody, everybody says is the first person says, he is risen. And then the response is, wow, that was, that was great. <laughs> Say he is risen. The response is he is risen indeed. Okay, so let's try it. He is risen. Awesome. Well done. And I, <laughs> I thought about it. They only said that on Easter morning. It's the only time they ever said that phrase was on Easter morning. And I found it incredibly ironic as I was preparing to teach on Easter. By the way, it's the first time I've also ever taught on Easter. Usually, Elder John has taught on Easter. This is the first time I'm teaching on Easter. As I was preparing to teach, I thought it was ironic that we only said that on Easter morning. Because it, it's true every day of every year for us. We don't live in a time, in any other time, than when Jesus Christ has risen. Right? And amen, that we know, we know that truth. But it was only on Easter morning. I just thought it was ironic. Um, what's important about today, right, is that we spend a day to remember the resurrection from the dead. In fact, it's actually the thing that we really... Uh, 
can point back to every time we take communion is understanding the resurrection from the dead. The sacrifice of Christ and the resurrection from the dead. Now, whether you, whether you actually would say those words and mean it. Now, I don't know the hearts of the many people that would say that on a Sunday morning. But I, I have the feeling it's going to be said a lot this morning by a lot of people. And I don't know that they'll actually gonna, they're actually going to believe it. So, so it's important, right? Because this is we're talking about a dead person coming to life again. Now, I don't know. Have any of you experienced that? Probably not. A dead person coming to life again? Like, like way dead. Like dead, and they've been like for a while. They're not just like they were resuscitated, right? That's not, re- that's not resurrection. That's resuscitation. But like they've been dead, and they were buried. And then like, oh, you saw them again. You're like, oh, hey. That's weird. No, you never experienced that. And so for some people, it's kind of a science fiction thing. Like it's like, ooh, or it's like a horror movie, right? The resurrection from the dead is real. People are going to say it this morning. I think they're going to throw it out there because it's something that they're told to believe. They're told to think, but it's real. And we're going to celebrate it this morning. Uh, so sin and death is our title. Uh, our first point, we're going to be in Matthew. We're going to our, gonna get our context of what Easter morning was like the first time. The first Easter morning. Are you ready? It's going to be up on the screen. You can follow along, though, also in your scriptures. We're going to be in Matthew 27. And I'm going to start reading in 62. It's going to jump us a little before the actual Easter morning. But it gives us some really important context. It says this in verse 62 of Matthew 27. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. And said, Sir, we remember how the imposter, that's, that's what they call him, Jesus now that he's dead, while he was still alive, after three days, said that he would rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. You go make, it, go make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. 28 verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See that I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings, which is probably really shocking. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 11, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. That is your context for the first Easter. 
and it starts with with a little bit of deception and it ends with a little bit of deception and in the middle Jesus is alive again it's just it's just kind of crazy how that works see what first happened was like <laughs> they got this idea that the the Jewish leaders got this idea right you know they they're the ones that really wanted Jesus dead and they really wanted to crush this whole uprising right this this spiritual uprising that Jesus had started, right? And they're like, um, Pilate, now that you've killed him, he said that he was going to rise again, so I think you should put guards and guard the tomb for at least three days. He said on the third day. After that, you don't need to, but that way we can really, really crush this whole idea that Jesus was God or Messiah or powerful, right? Because what if his disciples come and take him away just to, like, perpetuate the lie, now, I mean, we've, we've, we've examined the disciples through the book of John for a long time now. Thus far, they haven't seemed overly bold, <laughs> right? We haven't seen them. Besides the one zealot they have, I, I'm, I'm, we have one instance of, of actual violence, and that's when, when Peter cuts off. We haven't gotten there yet, but he's going to cut off a, a soldier's ear. That's the only act of violence that we have from the disciples. Other than that, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty laid back, Right? Most of the time they don't get it, and the other time they, they seem to be a little nervous <laughs> about what's really true. But they're concerned that the disciples are going to go and steal the body out of the tomb, right? So here's what, here's what he says. You have guards. And now here's what, here's what really means. Here's what Pilate's really telling the Jewish leaders. Literally, they had given Roman soldiers, all right, to the Jews to, to take care of temple business. So they were Roman soldiers that were in charge of guarding the Jewish temple, right? Now, they work for Rome. They're paid through Rome. They're taken care of through Rome. But the Jewish religious leaders tell them how they're going to protect the temple, right? And so Pilate's like, look, you have your own soldiers. Why don't you have them take care of it? So they do. They roll a giant stone in front of the entrance of the tomb, and the soldiers stay at the tomb for the three days that would have been that Jesus was going to resurrect on. Now, they didn't know that it was a fool's errand, but they were worried, right? Because honestly, they didn't want to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. So the soldiers are standing there for a while and they're, they're actually sleeping there. Literally, they have a camp at the tomb. This is a big stone, by the way. And in another account of the Gospels, when the ladies are going to the tomb for the first time, their concern is, do you think there'll be anybody there to help us get the tomb rolled, stone rolled away? Now, see, the ladies are on their way to the tomb on Easter morning. And they're there. They're going there to prepare the body. See, when someone died, right? Well, we don't really know it, but when you put them in a tomb, they were going to smell, right? Remember Lazarus when he rose from the dead, right? And it had been three days, and they were like, we shouldn't open this tomb, Jesus, because if we open this tomb, it's not going to smell good. We should leave it closed. I believe the exact word was, he stinketh, right? To, to, help, to, help, <laughs> to help fight the odor, right? If you were going to go and remember someone at their tomb, right? They would use spices, right? They, they would wrap the body up. They would use spices and herbs. Um, oftentimes, outside of the tomb, there would be uh, plantings, things to help make it bearable to remember the loved one kind of like at a gravesite that we would go to but the reality is they're not down in the ground they're actually in a cave so it's kind of a different scenario of odor alright they, they hadn't had time to do that because Jesus was murdered 
real quick right before Passover so they could they could have Passover. They didn't get to they didn't get to gently wrap him and, and, and put spices and herbs and care for the body like they wanted. They, they couldn't do that. See, Passover feast was happening for the Jews. And on the Passover feast, you, you don't do that. There's no work going on. You're celebrating Passover, and that's all you're doing. They had to rush. The, the trial was rushed. The murder of Jesus was rushed. They couldn't even prepare him well. They're actually going to the tomb on Easter morning because they didn't even get to prepare the body. This would have been, this would have been Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary, Jesus' mother. There was other ladies there as well. They were going to prepare the body because they didn't even get to care for Jesus like they wanted to because of Passover. So they have all this stuff and they're like, how are we going to get this, this stone rolled away? It's really big. Like It took like 20 guards to roll that thing. I don't think we're going to move it. Do you think they'll open it for us? So they're on their, t- on their way to the tomb to, to care for the body of Jesus. Again, just like the guards standing there, it's a fool's errand. They, they didn't need to prepare the body. They didn't need to worry about the odor, right? They're on the way to the tomb. They're worried about the stone. Now, each count kind of has it a little differently, but they all have it. In Matthew, they're there. This angel comes down. Um... <laughs> What is the thing that most people experience in the Bible whenever they see an angel? What's the word that would best describe their emotional state? Fear. (laughs) It's always fear because the first thing an angel has to say is what? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It doesn't even matter if he's coming to sing you a song, right? Like, don't be afraid. I'm coming to sing you a song. I got good tidings and glad joy, right? It doesn't matter. You see an angel, you're like, oh, I'm so scared. And he's like, don't be afraid, right? Probably in his really awesome, booming voice. Like he's got a, his own PA system. Don't be afraid, which probably makes him more afraid. And they're like, well, that wouldn't help. He comes down. He moves the stone. The guards see him, and they fall down as dead men, right? Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they were so afraid that they fainted or if that's what the angel made happen. I, it's totally possible either way. But they fell down like dead men. Now, now you got to remember that because for the guards, it's going to mean some bad news later <laughs> because they, they had a job to do. And right now, they're literally sleeping on the job. The angel comes down. The guards fall down dead. He rolls the tomb away, and he's like, look, Jesus isn't here anymore. In other accounts, when they would go in, they would see, not only would they see the body is gone, but the linens, right? The, they had real done a rush job with the body, Right? They had to wrap it all up. I tried to explain this to my daughter. She's like, I don't, like what, do you, what do you mean? They're, I was like, well, when a body's dead and it's not like you're not eating anymore and like the muscles get weak and the bones get weak and it could like fall apart, right? So they wrapped it so it stayed together, right? Like a mummy. She's like, oh, okay, I get it. I don't know if she got it or not, but <laughs> we, we had this conversation. They wrap it all up. So they did a rush job to wrap it all up. When they went there, there's no body. The linens are folded, right? They're folded. They're, they're gently placed, and that's important because hmm, let's say robbers came, paid off the guards, wanted to steal whatever they could from the body, right? Steal whatever they could. Well, are robbers going to be concerned with folding the grave linens? No. No. We talked about that too. No, they're not going to be concerned. With, we, they're going to rip the grave linens off, look for anything valuable on the body and move on. And it's going to be a mess, a horrible, desecrated, nasty mess in that, in that place. They were gently folded. He's like, see, the body's not here, 
Jesus rose, remember, just as he said? Remember he told you he was going to rise? He rose. Now you have to go quickly and tell his disciples what you've seen and tell them that Jesus will meet him in Galilee. Now in the other, other accounts, all right, it all kind of varies when this happens, but it says Jesus appeared to them, right? Which is probably even more of a crazy shock on Easter morning, right? This is the first Easter morning, right? They're going there to prepare a dead body. Turns out, angel comes down, guards fall dead, stone rolls away, Jesus isn't there. Then they go, and then they're on the way back to see, tell the disciples, by the way, Jesus is risen, he's going to meet you in Galilee, and Jesus appears. This is a crazy Easter morning. An Easter morning unlike we've ever experienced. And Jesus, Jesus is embracing, he's caring, he's loving, and he's like, tell the disciples that I will see them in Galilee. And that's, it's just huge hope. Now they're going to run and tell the disciples, and, and you're going to read other gospel accounts, and first the disciples are like, they must be, they must be delirious with, like, they, have, they haven't sleep or something. Like, these, these ladies are obviously crazy. Right. Now, they should have valued what they said because why would they lie? Um, <laughs> then they rush and see for themselves Jesus is also risen. And this little subplot happens afterwards, right? And this is why this is the murder plot that's ruined. Everything is ruined. They tried to kill Jesus and murder him, and he rose from the dead. <laughs> it was the one thing that could ruin what they had planned. Well, the guards, remember they fell down asleep? Well, that meant death. <laughs> they were given a job. Now, and you have to understand it, this would, be, this would have been technically enemy-occupied territory. This is Roman territory in which they let the people live, and they were guarding a tomb. They were guarding something, all right? So in enemy territory, they're guarding, they're guarding something, right? This is, like, this is like Roman duty. This is Roman duty. And they, they were guarding the tomb, and they failed. They failed. The tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away. That meant death. Death by Roman execution. Just, that was the reality of the situation. Well, they got an idea. They remembered they were there for the they were they were put there by the Jewish the Jewish leaders. Let's go talk to them first. And they send somebody. And they go to the Jewish leaders and they're like, Look, uh, we don't know what happened. But that stone's rolled away, there's no bodies. In fact it looks really good in there, like there was never a body. There's no odor, there's no things, everything's clean and folded. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. And they're like, all right, well, here's what you're going to do. We're going to give you some money, and this is your story. His disciples came and took the body. Now, if this happens, get back to the, the governor, right, and you're going to be executed, we'll take care of the governor, and you'll be safe. Now, Matthew was written in a style and way that would have appealed to those that were Jewish in their ethnicity. And that's why he includes the phrase, and this story has been, has been, has been reported in the, amongst the Jews till this day. Because he's writing to the Jews. He wants you to know this is exactly how this lie happened. And you still hear it. And that's what the world would want us to believe. That's what they would want us to believe. See, resurrection doesn't happen. We don't really see it. We never experienced it. Why would you think that resurrection from the dead happened? See, now we know death. We know it well. Death's coming for everybody here. Right? Death happens. Now, death happens because sin happened and does happen. Sin and death are, are totally connected and linked. They're totally connected and linked. You sin, you die. We all sin. We all die. 
Those are your truth statements. That's the reality. There's only one person that didn't sin. And he was murdered. He was murdered. That's right. But he did not stay dead. He resurrected. See, on the cross, on the cross, we didn't read. We didn't read about the cross. We're in John. We're going to be at the cross soon. It's a lot about the cross. On the cross, sin is paid for. It's paid for. And that's our, that's our second point today. We're going to jump into 1 Corinthians in a minute. But sin is covered on the cross. Sin is covered on the cross. The atoning work of Christ on the cross. The atonement, literally that the, the blood that was spilled by Christ covers sin. It's completely covered. If you trust Christ as Savior, on the cross, the blood was spilled that covers your sin. But see, at the resurrection, sin wasn't the only enemy. At the resurrection, death was conquered. And that's why, that's why, now we don't, remember, we, we've talked about persecution. We don't experience it like they used to experience it. But that's why it, Faith in Christ could lead people to ridiculous things. That they could allow themselves to be murdered horribly. Because death loses. It's lost. Death for someone in Christ is victory. To show faith in Christ and die? Well, that's testimony in victory. It's, it's the resurrection that, that covers death that actually allows us to live in ways that are ridiculous. Why did you move there? Right? Why did you move there? Um, well, it's, 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 it's not the easiest place for my family, but it's really good for, for us to be able to minister to the people that are around us. Right? It's close to my church. I'm going to be able to connect to the community. Why did you buy that car? Um, you're, you're single. Yeah, but I'm going to need four doors because I'm planning on getting married. Right? Um, it leads us to do really ridiculous things. Why, um, why do you pastor a church? It's a good question. I get that a lot because I don't work. I don't get paid to pastor the church. I don't need to get paid to pastor the church. I pastor the church because I love Jesus, and Jesus loves his church, and that's, that's all I need. Why did you go to school? Why did you go to school to teach the Bible? It leads you to ridiculous things, Right? ridiculous things. And those are just normal decisions that you have to evaluate differently. Because our life means something different because our death is conquered. Our death is conquered. Jesus Christ resurrected. And that's awesome. First Corinthians. It's going to be up on the screen, but you can turn there if you would like in your copy of the Bible. We're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 15. Just a short section there. You got time because I'm turning my. Oh no, your time's up. First Corinthians 15. We're just going to read eight verses. Start in verse 20. It says this: "But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also 
in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, but when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. When we read a section of scripture, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, I never just read one verse, right? Amen. Why is that? Why do I not just read one verse? Context. Captain Context is very important in all things, but especially God's word. We always get context, all right? So those last verses... I just figured they'd be good verses we can talk about in community groups, if you had questions. The whole subjection thing. Good verses. But what's super awesome, what's super awesome, is that all things are subject to Christ. The last thing that he's going to crush is death. That one day, this is what we know, this is the victory. One day, there will be no death. No death. Now we have we have no we have no concept of what that's like. None, absolutely none. All we know is a world where we know people that have died or will die or are dying, and it's hard. It's all we know. There will be a world in which there is no death, because death is conquered. By Christ. And that's the resurrection of Christ from the dead. It conquers death. Now, death's still happening, it hasn't been conquered yet. One of the things we always have to be really conscious of, right, when we're communicating the gospel, one of the things I need to let you know is that the reason things and circumstances are hard is because it's not the end yet. This isn't the end. You are in the, in the here and not yet. See, Christ has conquered death. Death is already lost. When he resurrected from the dead, sin and death have no more power, and yet he has not come yet to crush them. He will. It's coming. It's guaranteed. This is, this is a battle that is already won. It's already won. It's not yet. It's not yet, but it will happen. And so sin is covered on the cross. Death is conquered. But it leaves us, it leaves us with important evaluations to make. And I think that what Easter really should be for everyone, it should be answering questions. That's what Easter should be. Now, I also think Easter should be about ham, right? Or whatever you eat at your table. I think Easter's about that. See, that's family and, and community and love and care, and that's awesome. Christ is glorified in that. So I like that part of Easter, right? That's why we have a morning service, and followed by our morning service, we eat, right? Because that's good and glorious for us to get together and eat on the day Christ resurrected. Amen? Amen.
All right. But, but what else we need to ask, right? We need to, we need to answer questions about what, what does Christ mean for us? What do I do with Christ? Now, if, you, if, if you've come to church here before, you know we answer questions similar to that all the time, right? Those are the questions on which you're going to build your life. See, who Christ is, right? If he is God, if he died for your sins, if sins were covered on the cross, and then he resurrected and conquered death for you, you either have to do something with that or wonder if you actually believe it. Here's, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 11. It's our, it's our last point tonight. We've read it before. We can read it again. The words... The words of Christ himself. It says this, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question. Do you believe this? Do you? I know a lot of you. I, almost I pretty much know all of you in some way, shape, or form. I know for the most part we can say, we can answer that question with a hearty yes. Yes, I believe that. Absolutely. Do you? See, we read in, we read in James this tough truth about, about faith. The tough truth about faith is that faith, apart from works, is dead. It's not alive. Now, I'm not saying it's not faith. I'm just saying it stinks. In fact, it's worse than not having faith. Do you ever think about that? If you say you have faith and you have no works, it's hypocrisy. It's it's the thing, particularly in our culture, that the world would love to pounce on and gobble up as its fuel for hatred of God and everything that would establish absolute morality. <laughs> right? it's, it's that thing. Dead faith is that thing. It actually smells. It's like it's, like, it's the concern for Lazarus in the grave. It has an odor. It's, it's putrid. It's disgusting. No one wants to be around it. A lot of times for us, church and charity can be grave linens around dead faith. I have a, I have a tie on this morning. <laughs> I think the last time I wore a tie was probably to a church of any kind in any service. was probably either a wedding or a funeral. I don't remember which or when. Uh, I don't wear a lot of ties, <laughs> but I wore a tie today. Not because it's Easter, but because we're going to take pictures and my wife wanted me to wear a tie. It's totally cool. I like it. It's got pink in it. I'm cool with that. It's like a pinkish purple. Magenta? (laughs) A dead faith can be put in a tie. Right? It can be put in a tie once a week, maybe twice a week. You can paint a smile, attend a church service. You can greet people from church with with, with handshakes and hold doors. When you see them outside in the world, outside of church. You can go to an event or some sort of church function and do something. And you can have dead faith. 
and simply be wrapping your dead faith in grave linens so that you don't smell as bad. But really, your hypocrisy is evident to everyone that knows. It's hard. It's hard. See, Paul felt like a hypocrite at times. Paul, Paul calls himself the chief of all sinners, right? Christ, he knows Christ's salvation the most deep. He knows his grace the most clearly. That, that St. Paul would say, I am the chief of sinners, and yet he saved me. Paul understood hypocrisy. In fact, if you are a believer in Christ, if you know who Christ is, you have that relationship, you should feel like a hypocrite. No matter what, you are not perfect. You are always seemingly stuck between your flesh and the new living, the new living life that's in Christ. You're, you're stuck between your, your, your dead flesh and your new life, and you run back and you put on grave clothes and you walk around them all the time. And you're stuck in that, 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 that hypocrisy. See, I think Easter offers us a chance, right? If you don't know Christ, Easter, Easter is, a, is the perfect day. The perfect day to say, well, Jesus has said he's got a lot. All over the Gospels, Jesus is constantly saying, I'm God. I'm not just a, a nice teacher, right? I'm not a strong leader. I'm not a spiritual revolutionist. I'm God, So really, I'm either insane or your savior. I think you should pick one. See, on Easter, it's a great day to remember that because he says, I'm God, and I've come to save you from your sins. To do that, God is murdered and doesn't stay that way. On Easter, we remember he resurrects. The tomb is empty. The giant stone was rolled away, and there is folded grave linens in there because Jesus didn't have to rush. It wasn't a robbery. He got up, right? He got up. It's on his own power. He, he couldn't be held. He couldn't be held. He gets up, folds up his grave linens, and he leaves. He just leaves. Jesus Christ resurrected he conquered death. If you don't know Christ, that's the message for Easter. That's the Easter good news. That's why people say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, because on Easter, it is the day he rose from the dead. Now, he's risen all the time. We should live that way. And so the next question for those of us that know he is risen is, do you believe? Do you? And if you do, how do you how does anybody know? How does anybody know? Is Easter just another day that we can wrap some nice grave linens that smell nice around our dead faith that's rotting and decaying and Is that what Easter is? Or is Easter just a continuance of an everyday remembrance that Jesus Christ is risen, he is risen indeed? Every service we have, it comes in two ways, right? There is worship, and there is response, which leads to worship, which leads to response, right? Our worship is singing and teaching, opening God's Word and reading it, learning together, singing praises to Him. But every time you open up the Word, it's going to cause response. 
We respond. In fact, I don't know if you're like me, but it even happens, even happens when, we, when we're singing truths about God. That response is required. When truth about God is taught, suddenly there's a response. Like, I will, in my, in my heart and mind, suddenly need to pray when I'm singing a song because I realize this weighty truth about God. The same thing when we open up his word. And so we close every, every teaching time with respond time. So for our, our respond time, Nathan's going to play... But then we're also going to have special music, which we also do kind of every Easter. It's our Easter tradition. So as Nathan's coming up and playing, please spend some time in prayer, responding to God. Right? Do you believe? What needs to change? Where is, where is there dead faith in your life? You know what happens when someone has dead tissue on their body? If you can't, if you can't make it better, you got to get rid of it. What happens to dead tissue? Turns into infectious, spreads, you get gangrene. It's bad. What needs to be cut out? Where is your faith dead? That it needs to be removed so that Christ can make new, right? What What do you need that's stopping you from having living faith? Because it's got to go. So take some time in your hearts and your minds. Respond to God because he is a father that loves you and he is the God that has come to earth to die and save you because Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Spend some time responding with me.